This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe. And your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi folks, McCusick here. We're here for another episode of Film Study. This one, great episode. Whenever we have this guy on, I just love doing it. Brian McFarland. Uh, here to talk a issue that is closely related to the cap and how COVID-19 could impact it in 2021. Brian, how are you doing? Good, Ken. How are you today? No complaints at all, Brian. Your work over on RSR, your Twitter handle, Raven Salary Cap, at Raven Salary Cap. Uh, if you don't follow Brian, stick him on your follow list. Make sure that if you have questions or you're bringing up a topic that it's cap related, you tag him and he'll often chime in and tell you, uh, you know, the additional facet you may be not considering. Uh, he'll correct you in a not uh, threatening way. I've never known him to do that anyway. And so uh, uh, he, he's a very helpful guy with relation to the cap and, uh, you know, knows a lot about football in general. And that's, uh, that's why we love talking to him on this show. Brian, COVID-19, we're all dealing with the new normal right now. How are you doing, by the way? Good, good. Yeah, hanging in there, you know, uh, going to work, not getting a whole lot of work done. There's not a whole lot to work to do right now, but uh, everything's going pretty well. Two teenagers in the house uh, ready to kill each other. But, you know, such is life. <laughs> All right. All right. So with the new normal, uh, of course, one of the one of the possibilities is that the NFL will be back, but by all sorts of potential ways that are being discussed, it seems like revenue is going to be lower, whether it's lower from ad revenue on TV, which won't probably happen right away, or whether it's 
lower from in-person things like tickets and concessions at the stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest fear if there has to be, um, you know, empty stadiums like we're seeing in, in, uh, in Europe with soccer right now, um, or whether it has to be social distancing, um, you know, as that, as far as that goes. And I, God only knows what that means as far as who, how, who gets to go to games and things like that. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the big because it's the tickets. It's the concessions, you know, it's it's the eight to nine dollar beers um, that get drank over and over and over again at games. And obviously food's not cheap either. So, you know, it's those kinds of things. Um, and there's you know, there's there's things like, you know, you don't think about. But at, you mentioned ad revenue. But, you know, if there's if game if there are games missed, um, does NFL Network lose a lot in ad revenue? And that's a cash cow for the for the teams. Um, so. Um, you know, so that's that the, all those things, you know, come into play together. Um, and, and one I think people haven't totally thought about is one of the reasons the NFL pushed so hard to get a, a, the new CBA done was so that they could turn to the networks uh, with the new contract and start talking new contracts and say, look, we've got labor peace for the next 11 years. And that. Um, this is obviously going to delay that. I think we, uh, you know, most people were under the assumption, I certainly was, that they would have those deals done maybe this summer. So as of next year, um, you would be seeing, um, you know, uh, that that that, ad, that, um, that TV contract money start coming in. It wouldn't come in the huge amount next year, but everybody was kind of expecting a you know, 15, 16, 7 million, uh, $17 million jump in the cap, um, which you know, over the past so um, five, six, seven years, it's been about $10 million. So everybody's expecting a big jump and then the real TV money coming in in 2022 and then there being an even bigger jump. Well, that's clearly on hold right now. And I guess if, you know, if this thing somehow gets out of here and, you know, the season starts on time, and even and even with fans, then, you know, maybe by November, December, they get those deals done. Um, but if this lingers and it, it's empty stadiums and things like that, then I think that really, um, you know, it's going to affect uh, 2021 uh, because that 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 bump we were expecting, even if, you know, even if it doesn't it, it, there's not going to be that bump. It, it may go up, may go down, depending upon, you know, how the season plays out. But even if we, if they have a full slate of games and a full stadiums, um, then I'm still not sure the cap goes up like we were expecting it. Well, in in some ways, if you're the owners and you have something you think has real value and future value, you wouldn't want to negotiate based on to get today's conditions with the networks. You'd want to no, wait. I, no, well, you would, and I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, you know, I. I got to think the networks know what the NFL is is looking for, and they now the granted there may be, um, you know, some built-in uh, mechanisms that would drop the value based on this thing lasting another year or so. But I, I would I would think I don't think this is going to hurt the NFL as far as a total package, maybe a little bit, but I don't think that would hurt so much because I think there would be some sort of negotiated mechanism to address it. Um, the NBA, for instance, their CBA has a uh, language that addresses missed, missed games. The NFL's really doesn't. Um, it's got some nebulous language, but um, it, it doesn't. It ba- and that, that language basically says that, that they'll get together with the NFL PA and, and negotiate some sort of way of protecting the cap and, and honestly protecting teams. Because if the cap goes way down, and I have seen some projections that go down $40 million based on all that lost local revenue, um, I, there's just no way I, I'd be shocked because every that would every just about every team would suffer then. We've had in the past in other leagues a negotiated write-off of salaries. Like I think the hockey players, everybody had to take a 23% pay cut at one point. I, I may be thinking of of honestly, I may be thinking of Social Security and, and and things that Obama said at one point. But but there were there were cuts across the board for every single player. Is that a possibility? with a reduction in cap of 30, 40 million uh, as one of the options, or would uh, some of the teams in better shape relative to the cap, and we'll have to talk about what that means. I want to 
kind of get back to basics here before we get too deep into this. But is it is it a possibility that there'd be a, a generalized reduction in salaries? I mean, I, that's not a bad idea, um, certainly as a way of, you know, because if if you don't have that, there are going to be a lot of I'm trying to think who on the Ravens right now would really fit into this category. But there are going to be a lot of, of veteran guys Peters, hitting Thomas. their 30s. Yeah, I mean, guys hitting their 30s um, that are making too much. And, and you know, now that'll be next year so that the savings on Thomas would be a little easier to swallow. Um, but there are going to be a lot of guys. And even even your – and not he, he's not one of these because he'll be a free agent next year. But uh, And he's making less than he did last year. But a guy like Anthony Levine where – you know, he's he's a solid player. He does a lot of things for you. But if you can, you know, save a million dollars by moving off of him and, and um, replacing him with a rookie or an undrafted free agent, um, that's that's that that's where the, the middle class of the NFL, maybe maybe that's a good way to put it, is really going to suffer um, because you're not going to get rid of your stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and you obviously your rookies are your cheapest labor. But there's going to be, I mean, you know, you're going to have these like the Ravens did this year. And it was a little different reasoning, but you're going to have 20 classes of 20 plus undrafted free agents everywhere. Um, and you're going to have teams basically doing kind of what the Dolphins did last year. Um, yeah, and kind of doing, yeah, cutting, getting rid of it, you know, clearing it up. Um, because, again, who knows maybe what the future brings as well. But that's where that middle class really, um, really is going to suffer. Let's let's go back here because we're we're kind of getting deep into this, and I do want to come back to some of this in particular about what individual Ravens are impacted. But Brian, we have you on the show. Let's talk about how the cap is calculated in broad strokes. Just to, uh, take us through at a high level how that revenue is totaled up, uh, divided out, and then turned into a cap number. Right. Well, there's 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 certain things that the CBA considers. Um, all what's called all revenue. It's not all revenue because certainly some teams um, negotiated, you know, when, when they wanted this because the Cowboys make more money than anybody. Um, and Jerry Jones wanted to keep certain things. So, you know, and he got his way. So there are certain things that are excluded. A lot, Some of your lo- more local stuff, your, um, uh, you know, a lot of things that you sell at the stadium, even though it's NFL merchandise, uh, jerseys are certainly part of the, the CBA, but there are other things that aren't um, and and and, um, and concessions and things like that. There's, you know, teams have a bigger piece of that. The players have less of that. But when you're looking at, at you know, all revenue, I mean, obviously, the main things you're looking at are, um, you know, the TV contract um, and a lot of the a lot of the the. Um, jerseys and things like that and certainly the local gate you know the tickets um and you know that uh and and the nfl network because again that is a big cash cow i mean that was a that's been a a monster for them um so so you those all get put into the pot and then right now because it is just a it's still the uh 16 game season um the players get um 30 i'm sorry 47 percent um, 47 and a half, maybe 47 and a half. And that will go up with the 17th game. Uh, when that is added, that will go up, um, I believe to either 48 or 48 and a half, I think is the, is the top. It's one and a half points more, I believe. Right. And I, I don't right. remember if it's, if it ends up being 49 or 48 and a half right. either, but not only that means will the players get one and a half percent more of the total pie. They are also be a larger pie from there being additional games. You know, in theory, Correct. and a- adding Correct. a playoff game, same deal. Right. If they go to a seventh team. Right. Yeah. So the TV revenue there will not only will the TV revenue is the TV revenue on 16 games on what the season was last year. You're expecting that to go up, but you're adding that extra layer uh, of, you know, of games and then, um, you know, a layer of playoffs as well. And then you have the advertising and everything that comes along with that. So, yeah, I mean, so that I mean, it was. The last CBA, the the owners just totally won. I mean, you know, and thankfully because you know they went through the whole lockout and everything the last time and took us into August before they resolved it. Uh, but this time, at least, the owners realized they were going to have to give something up, and that um, you know, while there's certainly players who weren't 
particularly happy with the CBA still. Um, it was much more of a, a, a fair deal for both sides. I mean, you can obviously, you know, pick at this or pick at that and say that was that, you know, this side got a raw deal or that side got a raw deal. But I mean, that's what negotiations are. You're not going to win every uh, every issue. Although, like I said, the last time the the, uh, they, the owners pretty much did seem to win every issue. Yeah, I, it's it's the kind of thing. Both sides need to be unhappy. If it, right. Uh, exactly. The old adage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Let's see. One of the things that that uh, uh, I wanted to make sure I got back to. Let me get to my notes here because I will leave something behind, and then we'll have difficulty coming back from it. Um, the the socialism of the NFL to a certain degree, and I don't want to use that term in an, in a derogatory way, but there are haves and have-nots of individual teams. In the NFL. You mentioned the Cowboys, and my recollection is there's a lot of individual stadium financing that the NFL is financing as a unit. Yes. And so, but it's specific in terms of which stadium. So LA's stadium is being financed effectively by the league because there's a certain portion of revenue that is set aside so that the, the might be the Rams and the Chargers, but it's definitely at least the Rams aren't impacted by it. Yeah, I think the, I think that's the, the Rams in, in total, um, that stadium pretty much. Um, the, the Chargers are totally second-class citizens there. I, yeah. I don't understand that whole dynamic, but um, the uh, we uh, need another city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, uh, it's a shame for San Diego, and obviously, we as Colt fans can understand. But um, you know, I I I thought San Diego, like like Baltimore, didn't you know, kind of messed around with the stadium and you know and didn't uh, didn't pony up, and that's that's what you got to do. Unfortunately, you know, (laughs) for better for worse, if you want to keep your team, you got to. You got to pony up these days, and especially when those stadiums get older and the luxury seats aren't as nice, and the, the you know the, the uh, um, you know the club level's not as nice. You, you know you got to pony up for that. Yeah, they they certainly complain about that. Now let's 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 look at compare the two sports though to compare baseball and football. Baseball is a sport controlled entirely by the haves. You know the the revenue is oh, not shared in the same manner. It's been, in my mind, extremely detrimental to the sport to have that occur. I don't, I don't think it's a positive thing at all. I mean, the fact that the Kansas City Royals won a World Series is a nice thing for the have-not franchises, but it's generally speaking a very bad thing for baseball, That the, the dominance of the Yankees and Red Sox in particular, and a horrible thing for Orioles fans to, to well, have that occur. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you can look at the Royals, but, you know, they were torn apart Um you know, within two, two and a half years, give or take. And I mean, you know, as, as well as they seem to be able to put a, ga- a team together in Tampa, you know, and nobody they goes can't to keep see it them, together, but they can't keep it together. Eventually that, you know, they have to, they have to trade off the pieces. And um, thankfully for them, I guess that, you know, they're good at, at uh, you know, filling those pieces back in. But yeah, I mean, it's the NFL is, is totally different. And I mean, the, the, the revenue sharing that, um, you know, He's kind of a dirty word around here, but that Paul Tagliabue was able to get in the last CBA, um, when he was able to get um, the owners all together, um, and to to realize that the common good was was more important, um, because that was one of the things that had to happen first, um, was that um, that that they had they had to agree first before they could even agree with the players. Right. And they were able to pull that together. And, you know, Jerry Jones got some, you know, he got his carrots, but, you know, he, he um, you know, that 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 was that was huge because you had, you know, you have the Bengals on one end and the Cowboys on the other. Um, and, and, and as much own. as much as we hate Tagliabue in this town, now he's probably not the only commissioner we hate, but he's the main one. Uh, yeah. We we uh, certainly have to credit him with creating a very stable NFL through this. I think Goodell's done a good job also, honestly, too, in terms of keeping the league going from a revenue perspective. But uh, from, from that, that's an enormous contribution to football. That's an Art Modell-level contribution to football uh, in, the, in the 1990s and 2000s, uh, like Modell made in the 60s, getting TV involved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's uh, move on a little bit. We talked a little about smoothing. So it really is is more recent. Uh, and you mentioned that there's always the possibility everything is negotiable after the fact in terms of of uh, changing the cap rules and potentially allowing for borrowing from future cap. Yeah, I mean, that's that's um, that to me, that is what 
I, you know, assuming they play a full season, um, and so that the TV contracts stay in place, they don't lose any money. Um, you know, obviously, Avenue, you know, um, and they don't lose, and you know, um, the NFL Network works out with that. You know, that keeps them that healthy uh, as well. Um, you know, you could be you're losing gate, which is a problem. But when you're looking at the gate, that local stuff, uh, you know, I've seen some projections where the cap could, and I'm using air, you know, air quotes here, go down by 40 million. Um, now we've all been, you know, again, kind of expecting a a bump up to two, you know, 215 from from our 198 now. So, uh, you know, we're at you know uh, 15 to 17 million dollar bump more than the 10 we've seen over the last couple of years. So, um, and, and, you know, there have been projections to go higher. And obviously the, that partly depends on the, um, the, you know, the TV contracts as well. So, um, so the real, um, issue there becomes if the, if there's a full season, um, and they lose the, but they lose the local gate, um, or are they just all the gate, I should say, uh, you know, how does that affect the cap? And like I said, some projections say it's 40 million. Now, I don't see that happening. I, I know um, Joe Banner's been out there, the former GM uh, of, the, of the Browns and the Eagles, um, and he's saying it's it's silly talk because it, it won't go down. Now, that doesn't mean it could stay flat, um, which would still impact a lot of teams, um, obviously. And there are a lot of teams that would impact greatly. Uh, but what they did, and I think this, and I think he didn't really, Joe Panner's great for saying things and now not really expounding on them. Um, so he's very knowledgeable, but it's sometimes it's like, okay, well, where are you going with this? Um, but what I think he's getting at there is when um, it, the last CBA was passed in 2011, they were coming off an uncapped year. The 2010 was the uncapped year and 2011 they, when they reached an agreement in um, in um, August, the cap and I'm trying to remember the numbers, but the cap went down from I believe it was 128 to 129 million in 2009. So then it became uncapped the next year, and then in the first year of the new CBA in 2011, I believe it was 121 or 122 in that range. So it it went down substantially. Um, and some teams, the Ravens were one who got caught in that. And all of a sudden, you know, August hits and we just cut Todd Heap and we just cut Kelly Gregg and we cut Derek Mason, I think, as well. And everybody's like, whoa, what just happened? You know, but that was because the cap went down. But what they did is they built in and it wasn't a lot, but the cap was only going down a little bit then. Um, it, what they did was... Um, they allowed teams to borrow from future years. And I believe then it was, you could borrow up to 4.5 million. With, uh, you, you could basically increase your cap space in 2011 by 4.5 million. And over the next four or five years, you could pick which year you're in, you were, you could, you could pay it all back in one year. Or you could split it up into three years, a uh, million and a half each year. Um, I would expect if they did that this time, it would be those numbers would be much greater. Okay, so so let's try. Uh, I, I want to wrap some numbers around that. Sure. So four point five million on one hundred twenty million, we're talking about less than four percent of the cap was the reduction. We could be talking twenty this time if we're talking about local gate going down, gate going down by as much as it is. I've heard numbers higher than that, but let's say it's twenty percent. Okay. How does that impact your football operations? You're sitting there. You have to find some way to fund this thing. You can fund it by smoothing, which is basically what you're saying when you reduce it by 4.5 and pay it back. Okay. But that keeps the cap level. Already, there are a lot of teams out there who have monster deals they really can't get out of under the current cap rules, which, of course, could change. But they have monster deals on the books they can't get out of um, that – are the problem at the heart of this. And a 20% cut in cap is going to make those teams completely unviable. The Los Angeles Rams come to mind immediately as being a team that's extraordinarily top-heavy in terms of their contracts. How does the NFL deal with that as a league problem as opposed to just saying that's a Rams problem? 
Well, and that's, you know, that's always the the tension, <laughs> just as we were kind of talking about, you know, getting the small market, uh, the Mike Browns of the world to agree with the Jerry Joneses as far as revenue. It's going to be the same sort of scenario. My team's in great shape. I'm the Indianapolis Colts. I got, you know, if it goes down by that much, I still got 50 to 60 million. Um you know, so why should why should I let you know, why should I agree to something that is going to, you know, get um, I'm, I'm not sure what Houston's uh, or, or Tennessee we will use Tennessee because they just, you know, they've got Henry under the um, franchise tag and they just signed Tannehill. So, you know, and, I, you know, if they're up against it, then because of this 20 percent reduction and they're my biggest rival in the division, um, you know, why do I want to let them to agree to something that would let them borrow and, and escape? Um, you know, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's always the tension. Um, and, you know, obviously the players will want to see the cap stay as close to where they, you know, at least where it is, um, you know, where it was this past year or what, what it's going to be this coming year, I should say. Um, so, you know, um, and they, and, you know, they don't want to see any reduction, certainly. So I, I, you know, I, at least they, I would think they would get most teams back to, um, you know, where, where they were expecting. Um, like I said, in, in 2011, the Ravens were still, even with the 4.5, were still under where it had been the last time there was a cap, the two years before that. Um, and I don't think anyone, and, you know, I don't know whose, whose job this is, but I don't know that anybody was ex- expecting it to go down by that much. Um, that at that time that when but the owners won so resoundingly and they you know they got to august and the, the players just folded uh, but it hurt some teams and you know to be honest with you you know the ravens had a pretty clean cap up to that point were from well at least from 2003 after the the, the, the per, 2020 purge um so anyway so our, our uh, 2002 purge sorry so you know that's um that's one of those things that you just I think teams, some teams are, it's going to hurt some teams. If it goes down or even stays flat, it's going to hurt some teams. And that's just going to be the natural consequence. Right. I want to make this point because it's not clear to everyone why staying flat would be a problem at all. But effectively, teams that have just signed these monster deals have projected for increases in the cap. The increases in the contracts themselves year over year create additional strain on the cap as times pass. So if you just sign Dak Prescott, I don't even know if he's signed currently by the Cowboys or or they're still working on it. They're still working on it. Okay, Ezekiel, it's been signed though, right? Yes. Okay. So and and uh, you know if you're if you have Goff and Donald and all those guys under contract who are not right at the end of their their time, you have increases that you're facing in those, and effectively the league is playing with a l- smaller pool of higher value dollars. They, 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 since there's been a total defla- deflation, there has to be deflation in salaries to right. offset the increases that are already in those contracts plus the 20% reduction in the cap. So it's enormous in terms of league-wide how big a problem this is. Yeah, yeah I mean- yeah, I mean, if the cap if the cap goes down by, I'll use the twenty percent, but just I'll just use twenty million, and you're expecting to go up by seventeen, you're okay. already thirty seven in the hole. You know, there you go. Um, and 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 you know, and some teams like the Rams, even if going up seventeen, they may still be in trouble. So you know, or have some tough decisions to make. So yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big. And again, it's the other issue is the, you know, what the lack of TV money that would. That I that we would have expected would be part of, um, you know, part of the the revenue projections and things like that. And I mean, again, they have they have the ability to goose it some. So, um, but you know, teams can't just say, "Oh, we'll just keep the cap where it is" because the revenue's not there. You know, they can't say, "Well, we'll take it." Somebody's got you know, somebody's got to suffer for it. Well, yeah. they could they could what they could do is say the cap will stay where it is, but the players because it represents. 54% of the of the revenue this year, the players are only going to get, you know, 44% for the next three years instead right. of 40. They can balance it out, sure, yeah. sure. And that's then that, that may be part of the, you know, this this may be a solution that uh, they've never had, you know, obviously never had to deal with before, but it may be something that where it's not just the borrowing part, it's the um, we're going to make some adjustments to those percentages, as as you said as well. Okay, so you're a, let's say you're a team who's in the 
Los Angeles Rams situation, we'll call it. And by the way, I don't think anybody has a lot of pity for the Rams. The Rams have gone five years or will, by the time the streak is over, go five years without a first-round draft pick. They have mortgaged everything. Oh, they have. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's not the way Baltimore has built a football team, so we don't feel sorry for them that one freaking little bit. But but if if um, if you are the Rams... How do you deal with this problem? What do you what do you start by doing? What are the obvious things you have to do to clean up your cap situation? Well, I think as we said earlier, the the middle class suffers. They may have to go through. Uh, I'd have to look at golf's contract. That's probably the first place you look. Um, I feel like it was structured so. Let's see. So he got that last year. So this so so we got it before a lot. So that would be. You know, he got a two the year before that. So I guess he'd be three years into his contract. So it's probably the number, you know, the cap number is going to be high, but um, they've mortgaged the future with those contracts. So I'd have to, I'd have to look whether his contract was flat or whether it was one of these escalating and how big his bonus right. was or, and how much guaranteed money is there. But usually by the third. been restructured would be one of the other things. Well, right. That's true yeah. too. Right. Cause they, they may well have done that. Um, a lot of these contract, those kind of contracts are kind of self-executing. So you, they, the plan all along was to restructure it. It just, uh, um, but, and the Steelers, a lot of the Steelers contracts are that way too. Um, but that's, yeah, I mean, not, but I'm guessing that's the first place you look, um, you, you know, Donald is a cornerstone and let's face it, golf didn't play very well last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now if he has another year like that, that's definitely the first place they're going to look, right. um, you know, and the, you know, they, well, they got, they got, they jettisoned Gurley's contract this year. And that'll be another thing to, that will be interesting as we get into August and training camp and things like that is, will you see teams start? Cause you, cause they have the, the, the post June one release. Cause well, have it, they'll have it in a week anyway, but will teams start jettisoning some of these middle-class guys that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't that today and make it work for the cap. But by doing it after June 1 and spreading out that dead money, whether they're willing to take the hit this year um, in order to get that get that, you know, some of that dead money off the books. And oh, yeah, because those dollars are higher value next year for sure. Right. right. And also, and, you know, and a lot of times when we talk contracts, we don't talk about ca- uh, the cash component. And if you're looking at losing cash as a team and sometimes that's, you know, we're not going to have enough money coming in to pay these salaries. So, we, you know, we've got this guy over here. And right now, thankfully, I don't know if the Ravens have anybody. Uh, Hurst, uh, Hurst might have been, um, James Hurst might have been a good example if he was still around. Um, but a guy who's making a little too much salary for his worth. And, you know, if, if, if you can use the post-June 1 release and, and, you know, get part of that off that dead money off the books and save some cash that you can carry over into next year. Um, to all that seems that. like, that seems like a really, that's like cashing your paycheck and paying a percentage to do it. I mean, you're, you're, you're really, cause that those dollars are going to be worth more in the future. You'd hate to give away next year's dollars right now. You'd, you'd be better off borrowing that money from a bank. Right. Right. But that, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, and obviously as we get closer and, you know, there are going to be some of those types of decisions that the teams are going to have to make of, you know what, this guy, we're not paying this guy $10 million when he's a $5 million player, you know, and, you know, and I think that's, I mean, that's a lot, again, it's kind of a lot what the Dolphins did, you know, they were trading everybody. You know, I mean, uh, they, that team couldn't have used Mika Fitzpatrick last year. <laughs> you know, I mean, you gave away, uh, you know, an all-pro player. And they got a first-round pick out of it, but um, although he didn't look like it against us in the first game. No, that was, he, I was just going to say, he had one of the worst games at cornerback probably in NFL history. He gave up three touchdowns personally and was penalized on the other two scores he was in for. Yeah. So it's yeah. <laughs> one of those weird games. And then it took him a week for his value to bounce back. And then the Steelers got him in week three. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, now they seem He's to have a bargain. Great for them. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, there's the market right now for free agents, honestly, seems a little bit soft in terms of certainly big deals that have been done this offseason. There are some things being worked on. There are obviously some quarterback deals. Mahomes is not yet signed right with the Chiefs, so that they talked about doing it this yeah. offseason. Mahomes and Watson are the two biggies right now. And and Clowney, I guess, is the biggest free agent left out there. 
Right. And, th- and they've had other signings like Michael Brockers. Part of it comes to mind is, boy, the Ravens are lucky to be out of a three-year Michael Brockers deal. And I, the structure means everything because I think the Peters deal is not as onerous in terms of the ability to get out of it. But it's still a lot of money to be paying over this particular three-year period for a player like Brockers. Yeah, I mean that one. Um, it was the structure was nice. There wasn't, you know, the, it, it was It was basically it was a two year deal. You know, it was a two year deal with a pretty easy out in the third year. A very, um, uh, very um, not very painful way. You know, it, it, I don't remember the exact numbers what they were now, but uh, you know, it was only maybe two or three million in dead money, and you know, basically. Uh, seven or eight in in cap savings in the third year or so um you know so it was that was a that was that was structured as a two-year deal um and a lot of their deals are, are set up that way because you're gonna have you've got lamar and you've got andrews and you got humphrey coming up and then obviously we got to get stanley done um so you know those are um you know and that you know the question now is does anybody want to sign a long-term deal Right. I mean, it, it looks to me like the teams are very reticent to do so, and they're they're slowing down on making these deals. But I'm looking at next year and thinking the franchise tag is not going to be particularly useful to the teams as an element of friction to keep players around because it's, it's going to be too high. It, well, that's probably true. Um, it will be since there aren't a lot of, you know, I mean, it depends on the position, obviously, if, um, you know, if if. Um, you know, if, if Prescott and, and Mahomes and, and Watson get deals, and I'm not sure who would be a franchise tag candidate quarterback next year, but, you know, that's going to be still be astronomical. Um, you know, Stanley's the one I'm, you know, thinking about. Um, and there haven't been, I mean, the, 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 the tackle deals other than Tunsil, which is obviously monster, um, you know. Uh, and I think a lot of players were honestly wait, were, were going to wait this year out anyway. I think that's why you haven't seen a lot of big deals. I mean, I you know I think Judon's perfectly happy playing on one year and then seeing what everybody was anticipating, seeing the you know the the TV money roll in and where does the cap go next year and where are the projections. Um, same with you know Humphrey being able to hang out for one more year even though he's eligible uh, this year. You know there doesn't seem to be a whole lot. Of, he doesn't. I mean, I, who knows what he's thinking inside? But publicly at least he's not saying a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, complaining or anything like that. And he seems like another one who would wait. Plus, I think he wants to wait out Jalen Ramsey. So um, he's got two years left on his on his rookie deal, including. Yeah, the- right. He's got the he's got the fourth year and then the, the fifth year option, which with the new CBA has changed drastically. So the fifth year option isn't as um, as even though it's expensive, it used to be a much uh, a, a much a lesser figure. Now it's basically the franchise tag. Um, so oh, with, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So with Lamar, when we were looking, when he, when he was drafted, we were saying, well, you know, his fifth year option is probably going to be 20 million, but you know, for at that point, five years down the road, 20 million for, uh, you know, for a quarterback is not going to be a bad thing. Uh, that's going to be relatively cheap if he, if he kept him on that for five years. Um, now it's, it, that will jump substantially, which I think will push some of these deals that, you know, um, COVID-19 accepting, you know, I think uh, my guess is Mahomes would have been done and Watson would have been done already if it wasn't for all of this. All right. Um, you know, the, the other thing in terms of creative solution to this would seem to be a percentage of cap contract. And I don't know if that's prohibited under the CBA or not, but if you're, if you're Lamar Jackson and you say, well, look, I don't mind playing for less if it's still... I'm still getting the same percentage of the cap. So I'll take the risk the league is taking, but I don't want to take uh, any personal risk on my contract falling behind by the exact time I say, and maybe that's more of a, more of an issue with Ronnie Stanley, you know, cause, cause he's, right. he's now, he's right now. He needs he right, wants right. his money. Um, so, you know, is that a possibility? Could we see contracts like that that say, Hey, Ronnie Stanley gets whatever percentage it would be. And let's, let's say it might be, Nine percent of the Ravens cap goes to Ronnie Stanley. You know, there was some discussion of that, you know, a couple years ago um, when Aaron Rodgers was coming up for his his extension um, and that there were at least rumors that he was going to push for something like that. Um, He certainly was in a position at that time to push for it. So 
Uh, he did not. Um, but that was also, I'll take a percentage of the contract uh, of the, of the cap, but we're always expecting to continue to go up as a Uh, percentage. No, no, the cap. cap. So, so I, I, you know, I know, I know my numbers always going to go up. Um, a percentage of the cap now when you're taking the risk of it going down, which I'm not saying you shouldn't necessarily, but I, I think I, I, I could see the Players Association and, and age, other agents saying, no way should that happen. Um, you know, and I understand you're, you're, you know, it's just, it's just the concept of, you know, I'm, I'm sharing the risk, um, you know, but that, that they're already in a way they're already the players are already sharing the risk if if it goes down even though the percentage doesn't go down but obviously uh, and you know this is such a unique situation I don't know any that anybody um, you know but I I would be surprised that a player would or an agent and more importantly maybe the agent would agree to that I th- I think the player stands to win under this circumstance rather than lose if the NFL recovers because I think there's a chance that that if people are expecting a flat cap for several years, that if they take a flat number, it's going to be a lower flat number. But if they say, you know what, just, just give me 9% of the cap, we'll keep that stable or raise it from 9, 9 to 9.5% over five years, say. And you can you can pay me that amount of money per year, and we'll have to obviously structure some other guaranteed money with that. So that that could be, you know, a, yeah, a serious kink yeah. to yeah, I mean, because yeah, when we you know, it's the question we we talk about, you know, the average, the you know, the yearly average of the contract, and that's what you know a lot of people are looking at. But then it's how much how much of that money is guaranteed, and, and things like that, and that's where it becomes a little more problematic. Is, you know, you get hurt or or you you underperform, and then if there's you know if there's got to be so if it is nine percent. But I get five percent of that. I mean, I get of the not of that, and but five percent is guaranteed each year. That's that's problematic because what if what if I stink in year four? You know, then it's a lot of dead money getting rid of me. Where under the normal contract structure, I'm you, the teams. You know, it's usually less of a cap burden to get rid of a player. Right. You'd, you'd have it's to you'd definitely have to structure yeah. that properly to, to to make it work. And I think it has to be an increasing percentage of cap. So that it creates a structure that's similar to the old deal. But you got yeah. smart people on both sides. You Absolutely. got the, the agents understand this. They really understand the risk of going too low or too high by not taking a variable percentage. And by the way, everybody out there who's you know making a movie, writing a book, doing any of the other things in the entertainment world, they're all very good with points of the gross. As, right. as a uh, thing. So I don't understand why why it couldn't work for football right. or for some players. Yeah, well, anyway. it's interesting because a lot of, I mean, no sports has it ever, you know, has that ever really gotten any, I, I don't know of any contract that that's ever happened with. Um, and maybe I'm missing, maybe there's some out there, but it certainly hasn't, hasn't really caught on. But I, I certainly agree. And it, like I said, with, with Rogers, there was a, a definite discussion that he was the guy to push for something like that. Um, why he, he yeah, why he didn't? Okay. Yep. I mean, I there yep. there have been uh, times in the past where partial ownership has been given of teams, which is yeah. which is along yeah. the same line. Yeah. So, by the way, do you know who is the first baseball player to negotiate partial ownership of his team into his contract? Um, um, probably goes way back. Um, so I'll. Uh, the got- answer is you. You have it correct, Frank Chance. Okay. Of Tinker Steppers, the chance of the the covers the Cubs way back. Right. So uh, he negotiated partial ownership for himself and uh, eventually got a piece of the Cubs. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, so let's talk about the Ravens situation specifically and who on the on the team might be impacted. So obviously, Judon Stanley and Humphrey are all uh, waiting for their deals currently. Humphrey, you know, is not truly in waiting until a year from now. Uh, Stanley and, and Judon are on the bubble right now in terms of this being their last year coming up. In Judon's case, the team did not seem that excited about a non-franchise um, tender. But in, in his case, he seems like the perfect guy that would be very susceptible to loss from this season, from three components now. One, a decline in play. Two, an injury or three, a reduction in cap. 
He is triple bubbles. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 he, 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 he definitely checks each of the boxes. Um, you know, and he's – would the – if the Ravens had a different star pass rusher, would Judon have even been tagged? You know, he's a good player. I'm not, you know, not, you know, I'm trying to think if, 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 if the, if the Ravens had retained, and of course it's money too, but if, if the Ravens had retained Zedaria Smith uh-huh. and Zedaria Smith had the year here that he had in Green Bay um, and leaving the money part aside, because obviously that's paying two pass rushers, but let's say Zedaria Smith was, you know, a year from becoming a free agent here. So he's a year younger than Judon. Let's do it that way. Um, you do it and, then? And and he had 16 sacks, you know. <laughs> Judon probably does not get tagged, you know. Uh, I, I'll, I'll I'll give you my position on it because it's a little different because I in in terms of what I do for the defense, I think Judon's value as a Sam linebacker is tremendously undervalued, and the ability to have Bowser and Judon on opposite sides uh, who can both drop to cover is of tremendous value for pass rush flexibility. Because basically, the basic theory is that any pass rush flexibility directly converts. Sorry. Coverage flexibility directly converts to pass rush flexibility. So I think we tend to look at Judon as an individual winner in pass rush situations where he's not bad. He has, you know, he has a lot of finishes in terms of quarterback hits, but uh, his real value he's giving is allowing pressure to develop from other places. And the Ravens as a team led the entire NFL in quarterback hits and also roughing the passer penalties this last season. So <laughs> I didn't realize the roughing the passer penalties. Yes. They kind of uh, go hand in hand, but yeah, well, today's NFL for <laughs> sure, I guess. Um, well, okay. So, you know, so that, so, but he, as you said, I think he's one that there's some danger there from, um, you know, um, Marcus Peters would be certainly another, um, his, the way his contract is structured, uh, they, you know, and if they need cap space, you know, I mean, there's there's almost 9.5 million in, in cap space uh, from releasing him in, uh, next, after after next year. So so uh, so after the first year of his three year deal, they still have 9.5 million in. So that's a very low total guaranteed money deal for Peters. It's a fairly flat, flat deal with just a little bit of guaranteed money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, um, uh, you know, so um, so th- that uh, Earl Thomas is another I mean, there's not a, a huge amount of cap savings there, but, um, you know, it, 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 it's it's, you know, and, and some of these guys would have to be post June one. Brandon William, Bra- uh, you know, Brandon Williams is another guy, um, you know, so th- there's certainly guys there that you can, um, you know, you can you could work off of. I mean. Well, and, you know, here's another one you don't think about, but Tavon Young, perhaps, um, you know, given, yeah, you know, now if he comes back really strong this year, you're, you're not saying that, but given his injury, injury history and, you know, sometimes it takes him a year to get back, especially not having an off, you know, full off season, you know, maybe he doesn't come back as strong. And, you know, you, if you've got to make a choice, that's, that's, you know, that's potentially a choice there. Um, so there are, you know, there are certainly, um, Guys, Mark Ingram, another, you know, if Dobbins takes off, uh, Ingram could certainly be, um, you know, certainly be, be one to take a look at as well. So, I mean, they're definitely guys there and, you know, then they're going to be, uh, lesser guys that, you know, Morgan Cox is a free agent and, you know, he's been great. I mean, you know, you would, you never hear his name. So that's a good thing with long yes. snappers, but you know, you could, you know, we're going to resign him for what's his going rate. Versus bringing in a, a rookie long, you know, long snapper like they've done in the past, you know. Okay, let's talk about that one for for a second because Levine falls in the same category, I believe, as Cox. Is these guys are covered under that veteran rule that allows them to count less against the cap, so it really is only a, a cash hit to hold those players. Well, Cox is Cox is is not. I'm sorry, he, um, Levine this year is. Um, Levine in the past years was not, he, Levine's last deal was a three-year deal. Um, but yes, um, this, this time he's in under that. Uh, so are guys like, uh, Fluker, um, McPhee, all those guys. So yes, there, there's not a huge difference between, uh, you know, Fluker right now, Fluker 775, uh, K on the cap. And, nice. uh, even though it's over, even though his, his normal cap number without the veteran salary rule, 
would be over a million. Um, so he's at seven seventy five. The rookie, the, the rookie minimum is six ten. So you're only looking at you know a little over 150, 160 um, difference there. So certainly that he he's not somebody, but it's your um, you know it's more your middle range guys. And actually, in a way, you know, as I'm looking at the list, they don't have a whole lot of middle salaried guys right now. Like um, two, got, three, four million dollar guys. They have they have yeah LG they've four. got they've got some at one and two, and then they've got the the you know the 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 big guys so to speak. So. Um, about L.J. Fort, Brian. Well, that would be one. Yes, that would be one, especially with the two young linebackers being drafted. Um, Board would be a restricted free agent then, um, I believe. So, um, so he could still be around. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly, um, you know, I mean, they just re, you know, they 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 did a little, uh, played with Fort's contract a little to create some cap space. So I don't think they would get rid of him this year. Um, but certainly going into next year, I would think he's one of those middle range guys, uh, that, that could really, you know, could be on the bubble. And I I don't think there's anybody, I mean, the Ravens are very short on fourth year players and they really don't have anybody, anybody who isn't a good fourth year player. Matt Skura is a guy whose health condition is an issue, but other than that, their fourth year guys are all contributors or, or they have been recently. And their third-year guys, even, there aren't a lot of cuts. You mentioned Board. They have uh, Julio Scott, who looks like he could be cut right. this year. But they, right. don't, they don't really have a lot of, of uh, you know, players who are of a non-star type. So what the point I'm making, building up to with this third- and fourth-year player is the Ravens are coming to terms now with being a very talented young organization, at least on the offensive side of the ball, and are going to have to make some very hard franchise cornerstone choices among, those, among the players, among all of – Andrews, Brown, and Jackson from the 2018 draft, and also players like Stanley, and then you had Humphrey as well on the defensive side. Some tough calls are coming. I don't think they keep all five of those guys. No, no, I think you're right. Now, obviously, depending upon where the cap goes, maybe they, you know, keep more than, hopefully they keep more than they have in the past, because, you know, in the past, you're looking at probably, well, you're not going to lose Jackson, you're not going to lose Stanley, but um, you know, you don't want to lose Andrews now that you've traded Hurst, but that gives him some extra negotiating power there. But, you know, Brown is a guy and, you know, obviously he's a, you know, Orlando Brown is a name in the Ravens organization, but he's a guy that, you know, they may have to, you know, assuming they pay Stanley and, you know, assuming that's going to be over, um, you know, over what Tunzel got, um, you know, that may be something that will be awfully hard for them to keep Brown. Um, I think, you know, I think that, I think that he's, he's one that of those names, if, if there's one I'm going to say is, is the, probably the least likely to not be back, I would say it's probably Brown, which is again, given the name and, you know, the family history of the organization, it's kind of, you know, you wouldn't expect to say that. Right. It's, it's sad to see he's, he's certainly benefited tremendously from having Lamar Jackson at quarterback. It exactly plays to who Brown is. But I mean, one of my questions would be is, do you try and trade him before year four, given that he's a third round pick, you don't have that fifth year option with him. Do you trade him before year four and get something for him? Or do you let him just play at the string and, and go ahead and take your compensatory pick with the one year delay? Right. Yeah. I mean, and that obviously depends on what's in the, you know, what, um, you know, I don't know if Phillips is considered, I mean, or they're talking about him playing inside more, but I don't know if, um, if they would consider him uh, as a swing tackle as well for now, but, you know, as a possible uh, answer there, there certainly was discussion during the draft that um, there were a couple uh, there was, there were a couple of the tackles up um, in the early second round that they might be interested in uh, early to mid second round, I guess that they might be interested in, um, who could act as who could play inside now, but act as a swing tackle and then potentially, you know, move outside. So if they, one of those guys had been there, I think that may have been their way of solidifying their, you know, their, their depth for now, but also giving them an out, um, you know, or having somebody to be able to step in for Brown, either if they trade him and get something for him, or if they let him play off the string. And as you said, get the comp pick. You know, what's what's really cool about that is the Ravens drafted Phillips much higher than I expected. In fact, I didn't have him on my top list of players, my top 15, that I was trying to figure out where he should be slotted and watch the complete game of tape so, so you get an unfiltered set of plays you're really looking at. 
But sure. Phil's feet, feet uh, in terms of his reaction time and his ability to get in front of blockers, much too slow to play a tackle in the NFL, in my opinion. Okay. Um, he showed more mobility than you would expect in terms of getting to level two. So that speaks kind of well in terms of his ability to play guard. And he's got monstrously long arms, which would you know would be good for a tackle. I think he could get you through a game at right tackle if you had an injury during it. But right. I, but but I wouldn't want to go the next week and not have another guy. Right. On the roster. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so that's you know I that's where I I can, I think everybody was I, if if of all of their picks, I think that's one that came as probably the biggest surprise. Big surprise. Probably the biggest reach, uh, you know. I don't. Everybody has their own opinion on how, you know, where he should have been, but I think that probably is the one that, you know, um, and maybe Washington as well a little later in the draft, but it's the fifth round at that point. So, um, but yeah, so I, you know, that's that's that that seems like what would have potentially been a, a move for them to make, and that doesn't mean they can't do it next year. Um, obviously, if the you know if the board falls the right way. Um, and they get a year to see what happens with Phillips and, and, you know, Fluker's around and, you know, who knows, he's not, Fluker's not terribly old at this point. So, I mean, he could, he could be a swing tackle if they needed it as well. I mean, I guess he hasn't played tackle in a few, few years now, but, um, you know, emergency (laughs) and uh, they got Andre Smith and I don't know that he's going to add much. I think he's, he's. Uh, certainly on the downside of his career. He, he has, uh, you're being very generous with that. Um, <laughs> Andre Smith has only 25 or 50,000 of guaranteed money. It's some small amount. Yeah, that it's, yeah, that, yeah it's, he's probably, you would, you'd have to say his chance of actually making the roster might be 20 to 25% at the top end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that, yeah. Now that they have the, the three rookies, um, you know, and, and who knows what that, you know, what else they might get from, you know, an undrafted free agent. So, um, but with the three draft, the three draft picks, I think that's, uh, you know, that's going to make it awfully hard for him. And obviously injuries happen, though. So, you know, you never know. And it's, it's good to have that kind of depth coming into training camp. Yeah, yeah I, I, I always say the same thing. A lot of a lot of times injuries make your roster decisions for you. So you you have that. But uh, but I, I'm, I would be very that. unexcited if Andre Smith was the thir- was truly the third best tackles. So I think there's still probably a move coming. Right. Uh, that, that We may see something. So uh, how do you think the Ravens sit relative to the other AFC North rivals in terms of their cap position right now if we have a COVID-19 reduction? Um, they are better, easily better than the Steelers. Um, they're not as, as well off as the Browns or Bengals. Um, I mean, the Browns and Bengals are pretty much, you know, perpetually – uh, amongst the top teams. Now, I guess the Browns are going to be coming back a little these days um, because of, you know, with, with, the, with the two wide receivers they've acquired um, and, you know, um, Miles Garrett. Yeah, Miles Garrett, you know, so, um, and they've, they've spent, they spent pretty well in free agency. So, uh, you know, actually they are, they are probably lower than us. Um, the, the Bengals are a little higher. I mean, the, I mean, right now I'm using, I'm looking at over the cap to compare, um, which is by what, by the way, I'm going to plug them. They're the, they're the best um, for league wide information. There's another one out there that kind of steals from everybody and gets it wrong. Some, a lot of times, cause they can't calculate it themselves. Um, and uh, I know, I know over the cap, well, I won't say that. I'm, I don't think that spot. I don't think spot rack will hear it, but I won't say it anyway. Um, so yeah. So the Bengals right now would have about 80 million. Uh, the Ravens. It's this is now. This is projecting a 215 million dollar cap. So obviously, if we flatten out, all these numbers are going to go down. Uh, but they they have the Bengals at 80. Uh, the Ravens at 66. Uh, the Browns at 36. And the Steelers are 28. So um, now looking at what they see. Yeah, so the Steelers only have 38, would only have 38 players under contract, which is really low. Right. Um, and because this, this would include all undrafted free agents. So the numbers are going to change because, you know, the, Ra- the Ravens have 58 under contract for next year, but uh, 21 of those are undrafted free agents. So you kind of got to balance out. It's kind of hard to say, you know, because a lot of those guys obviously aren't making the team. Um, so that, that, that 58 could easily be 44 or, or 43, you know, you'll have, you'll have another, you'll have another draft class in by then as well. So, um, 
So the Ravens are in better shape than than most. I mean, the Ravens, I think, are about tenth in cap space for next year. The Colts have 116 million in space. Yep. So they would absolutely love a reduction in overall cap because if the cap went down by 40 million, they'd have 76. But there'd be a bunch of teams at minus 20 and minus 30. Yes. Yeah. And so the Eagles, the Eagles are right. Wow. I didn't realize the Eagles were that. The Eagles right now are 50 million over. How was 50 million over the cap? Over. So how, what's the? They what have they... they have 265 million uh, uh, counted towards the cap at this point. Okay, that's for 21, not for 20. 21. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is all. This is all what happens after. Because we're, you know, we'll get through this year, you know, well, whatever happens this year happens, I guess. But if assuming they get through this year uh, and there's a loss in revenue, but empty stadiums, things like that, then it's the 2021 cap. And that's when it that's when some of these teams. Um, yeah, I mean, the Texans aren't in really good shape. The Falcons, the Saints, um, you know, they would they would they would be the terms hurting. I and mean, it's funny you mentioned the Rams. The Rams right now are set to have 42 million, but that's again with a 215 million cap. So obviously, zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be, yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I don't know how that how that uh, translates to players under contract either. And, well, and, and who's in who's who, right? Right. And uh, they have still not signed Jalen Ramsey, as far as I know, right? No, they have not. So there's a there's a he's not a free agent right now. He's playing out the fifth year of his contract under the option this coming year, or does he have a year left after? No, he's he, that's it. Let's see. Does are he and um, yeah. So that's yes, because he and he and Stanley were the same year. He's, yes. He, he was, was a he was 16 drafted. drafted yeah. Right, because he was picked a couple picks in front of Stanley because the Ravens were trying to trade up with Dallas to to pick Ramsey. Um, and as it turned out, did pretty well with Stanley. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, so, anything else we should be hitting on before we go here, Brian? It's been I, I love these conversations with you, man. So much appreciate having you on. But anything else we missed? No, I mean I think that's it right now. You know, um, obviously there's 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 a lot to still be figured out, and who knows? You know. Um, I just I think, you know, the bottom line is that I don't I can't imagine the cap going down by 40 million or something like that, um, it, you know, or it may go down, but they're going to put things in place um, to, you know, now, of course, if games are missed, that's, you know, that becomes another issue. Um, of course, the players lose their pay, you know, their paycheck for that game because they're paid over 17 weeks. Um so that one seems to be their their sharing in the loss, you know. I mean, that seems to be, um, you know, would be equitable enough. Um, whereas baseball's a little different because they're, you know, they're going through that right now of well, our salaries are our salaries. So how do we reduce this and you know and, and make it work for everybody if if the teams are losing revenue? Um, so, but yeah, I, I just I just don't. I think it's it would be shocking to me because so many teams would get hurt and so many players would get hurt because they'd start dump teams would have to start dumping players left and right. And those guys would not be getting re-signed. Or if they were, it's at a much lower contract value. Right. Right. So it behooves everybody to figure out sort of a, a fair way of doing it. And, um, you know, and that, that, you know, I think the smart money's on some sort of, um, whether it's teams on their own can borrow you know, and for a team like the Colts, it doesn't need to borrow. They don't have to. Or whether it's we're just going to take, you know, I mean, we've got 10, you know, we've got 10 years left on the after this on the, the CBA. We're just going to take two million off of each year mm-hmm. and move it on to this year. So whatever the cap is for, for every team, it gets reduced by two million or something, you know, something simple like that whether they give teams the ability to do it themselves or, or maybe they, maybe they do something like that. That gives us that adds 20 million to the cap gets us up to where you need to be this year. And if you want to borrow more, you need to borrow more. Well, maybe you can do that as well. So maybe it's kind of a, you know, a combined effort that way. Yeah. It, it no matter what the deflated dollars in terms of whether you look at them over the course of the next 10 years or over this next single year are going to really benefit teams that are in good cap shape right now. 
Hopefully yeah. that includes the Ravens. Yeah, well, they're thankfully in better cap shape than they've been in a while. So um, it was at least, you know, it was a good time for that to have, be an issue. <laughs> if it was going to be an issue, I guess I should say. All right, Brian. Always a pleasure. Let's take, tell people again where they can find your work. Um, uh, you know, I write for Russell Street Report. So um, I'm kind of now in my dead time, I guess, because the the uh, you know January, February, March, April was pretty much up to the end of the draft and now it's just signing the rookies and then it'll, you know, things will pick up again when we get to cut down uh, because then it's who's going and who's staying and it's the ramifications of some of those. And then, you know, um, Twitter at uh, Raven salary cap, um, trying to answer questions as much as possible and not, and figure out different ways of answering the same question over and over again sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoy it and uh, it's, it's a good way to interact with people for sure. All right. Outstanding. Now there's, we do a couple times per year, usually before the season and oftentimes at the end of the season or sometimes before training camp and at the end of the season, um, a show to look at the offense and the defense individually in terms of where people are in terms of five categories. Love to do that again with you, Brian. Hope Absolutely. You'll... Yeah. All right. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, otherwise still looking for people to do film study shorts out there. If you have an idea, you have a study you've done yourself, or you just want to talk football with me about some specific issue. Love to have you just send me a message on Twitter. Uh, that's how we manage a lot of off season content. We'd love to talk to you. And otherwise we'll see you next time on film study. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.